If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. (laughs) Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only. Part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3pm. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going up for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3pm. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Listen. 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 And get tickets. Buy tickets. Tickets at dogoonpod.com. Let's do it! Yeah! Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week's episode of Do Go On is brought to you by some live shows that we are doing in Melbourne over the next couple of months. Starting next Thursday, we are doing a charity show at Howler, raising money for Wildlife Victoria. That's February the 20th, where we are teaming up with the people from Sans Pants, some of our favourite podcasters, and we are competing in a quiz show tournament, which is Planet Broadcasting versus Sans Pants, all in the name of charity. Only a few tickets left. And we are also doing four shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for Saturday afternoon starting March 28th. And uh, tickets are available now at comedyfestival.com.au. We can also pick up tickets for Matt Stewart's and Jessica Perkins' stand-up shows. Oh, yeah, big time. You sure Do can. Do not Jessica me. Oh, come on. If they look for Jessica, they're not going to find me. All right. So Jess Perkins is called Almost. My show, Matt Stewart's called, what's my show called? Monkey, Monkey House. House. Monkey House. Jess is on at six, mine's on at seven. You can go to both if you want to. Why not go to both? You should. On I, the days that do go on, you could go to all three. Whoa. We will have to rush, I've been told, but I imagine all our listeners are very fit, so oh, yeah. should we, shouldn't be a problem. No worries. Take into a five-minute walk. See you then. See you then. Comedyfestival.com.au This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. And welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello. Hello. Together at last. Yeah. First time we've ever been in a room together. Dream Can you believe team. that? Dream I team together at had last. no idea you were so tall. Oh, thank you. I'm sitting down. Can you believe <laughs> what? that? What? I know. <laughs> I know. And Matt, you are the most beautiful specimen I have ever seen. Yeah. You sound less surprised by that. Goodness. I had a feeling. Yeah. Hearing your voice, I was like, oh boy. Photos don't do that face justice. God, no. People people think I'm photogenic, but that's actually the opposite. There's not enough pixels on earth to capture that beauty. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. So congrats on that. Thank you so much. Yeah. You I've guys got any feedback for me at all? Uh, meeting me for the first time? It's great to be here with Matt. I've okay. got to say. Yep. There I, it is. I haven't even looked at look you once. Look how tall Dave is. He's so tall. Compared wow. to you. I don't know. Wow, look how beautiful Matt is. I know. Compared to me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fun. Uh, just like old friends. Huh? <laughs> So I don't Obvious remember friends. last week's episode um, oh, yes, we nearly at all. We and, should address that. And I should say that obviously drinking responsibility is important. Wait, did I say drinking <laughs> responsibility? <laughs> Have yes. you been drinking again? No, I haven't. I haven't had a drink since. I'm not drinking the rest of the month. It's a yeah. short month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cheat. <laughs> you pick the shortest month. Oh, no, nah, no booze. Well, but, but it's a leap year, is that correct? Yeah, so it's 29 days, right. but I did start on the 4th. Did you so. panic when he saw the 29th? You were like, oh, God. <laughs> no, no I, I don't mind not drinking for a while. I would say it got a little out of hand last week. I'd say 95% of the feedback was we loved it. Yeah. That was very funny. And the rest of you, well, Matt's sober this week, so <laughs> hopefully you've come back. Yeah. That so, 5%. Apologies to the five, the silent five. Um Anyway, this show, uh, did I explain this last week? I imagine I explained it pretty eloquently. Oh, uh, yeah, we yes. got, Jess got you to do it, actually, and it was cool. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> it is so bad, but I genuinely have very little. I I remember saying about the crunch the mm. second time. But not <laughs> the first. So and I, have, I do not have the guts to go back and listen to it. Anyway, um, apologies if, if anyone found that too tedious. But this week it will be tedious for a different reason because I'm just me normal. <laughs> Uh, so the way this show works, one of the three of us researches a topic, usually being suggested by a listener, mm-hmm. and uh, this week is no different. This week I've done the research, I've got the topic, and to get us onto the topic, I'm going to ask this question. It's sort of it's topic adjacent, the question, okay? but I thought I'd ask a genuine <laughs> question that you might have a chance of getting right, because I don't think you would have heard of the topic. Okay. Don't ever... Assume okay. that I won't know it. All right. Well, I'll ask you. I'll <laughs> ask I might. You a I'll surprise question. you. Great. My question is: Which European country invaded oh, and occupied Ethiopia between 1935 and 1941? I'm looking straight to Dave. Um, he's our geography boy and also a history boy. Yeah, he's our war boy. And I'm kind of like, I'll get you a cup of tea if you want. That's oh, my well, role. I'd love a cup of tea. You want a cup of? Yeah. Okay. El Grey? You guys go on without me for a bit. Just going to go pop the kettle on <laughs> while Dave has a think about this one. Hmm. European country? Yes. France? No, uh, it's not. Just trying to have a guess. It's close. Oh, well, in that it was European. <laughs> was it European? But it's in, you know, it's in the, it's a Western European country. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no. No idea. It is. It is. Italy. It, it is Italy, Jess. Well done. <laughs> yes. Um. So my topic, it's sort of like, I mean, that's semi-relevant. Uh, if it wasn't for that occupation, then this story wouldn't have occurred. Okay. So, okay. Uh, I'll just tell you what the man's name was. He was at the center of the story. See if you know him. Um, my Italian, even though I am uh, something like one-eighth mm-hmm. Swiss Italian. Sorry, sorry. Let's get it right. It's one sixteenth. It's a one sixteenth. Well, that's on the podcast. It's one sixteenth. Oh, okay, <laughs> which makes me laugh so much. One though. nana is one. One of my four grandparents was Swiss Italian, but maybe she did have other heritage as well. But I actually I read the history of my nana. Uh, I got sent this thing. The first Mascherini to come to Australia, Antonio Mascherini, who's my great great grandfather. He. Uh, I just read a mini history of his journey. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm like 
would it be too self-indulgent to do a bonus episode for Patreon about <laughs> my Swiss Italian? <laughs> I'd be keen to hear it. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting. Anyway, um, so I mean, the point was that my Italian yeah, pronunciation okay. will be spot on. <laughs> uh, so the man who uh, this story centers on is a man named Felicia Banuzzi. Felicia. Uh, it looks like Felice. Felice Banuzzi. But it, I think it's Felice. I looked up the pronunciation. It looks like it's Felicia Banuzzi. Okay. So I don't know if I'll be able to keep that up. But anyway, this topic was suggested by listener Victor Gimino de Manuel from Madrid. Uh, Victor also suggested a great article, which I've used uh, a fair bit in this report, by Chuck Lyons uh, from the Warfare History Network. Mm. As always, the links to the that reference and others will be in the show notes. Let the story Begin. Please. Is there going to be more Italian for you to butcher? Uh, va bene, yeah. <laughs> si. Si, si, va bene. You were going to say we, weren't you? Which would have been apt, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, Felicia Banuzzi was born on November the 16th, 1910, in Vienna, Austria, to an Austrian mother and an Italian father. Soon after he was born, uh, he moved with his family to Trieste. <laughs> In northeastern Italy, which uh, isn't too close to the Swiss Italian border, but it's still, you know, it's still in the, you know, it's. I mean, it's a lot closer than we are now. Yeah, you know? sure. Like, it's pretty close. He was a high achieving kind of guy going on to study law at Rome University, graduating in 1934. Are you saying that right? Rome? <laughs> Roma. Roma. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I think, I mean, I, yeah, I thought, for some reason, I thought this story is about that guy. I should at least try and get his name. Vaguely right, but yeah, we should say Roma, right? Or Roma. Roma. But there is also something real wrong about Rome. Australian people trying to do the full-on mm. dropping in that full-on Italian accent. <laughs> I hate You're it. You're moving your hand every time you do it. Do which you know, is... that's the the sign language sign for Italian. Oh. Like... That classic stereotypical gesture you might do. Like you imagine a cab driver t- yelling at another driver. Yeah. What's the right hand doing? Huh? That's you the know. sign language sign for Italian. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've got Italian in my blood, so, so it makes sense. So you're allowed to do it. Well, and also that's why it comes out. Exactly. It's, it's in me. It wants to get out. So he graduated from Roma University in <laughs> oh, 1934. I hate, I hate it so much. I'm having PTSD to my ex-boyfriend ordering, uh, <laughs> ordering food. Cabros. Can Sanissi. we get the... Um, Cab- oh, then that is going on. The spinach and ricotta. Oh. Like, oh. Fuck you. Oh, i got to say, it's pretty wanky. It's super wanky. All right. Well, anyway, Did, I think we broke this- up a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> And I think you should move on. Don't say that. I'll never move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's never over. How can I move on? Uh, so he graduated from Rome University uh, from his law studies. He also represented Italy internationally in swimming from 1933 to 1935. Fuck, he's a high achiever. High achiever. And these are just footnote things. Just moving on to the main story. In 1938, <laughs> he married a woman named Stefania and they had two daughters, D- Daniela and Sil- Sylvia. Uh, oh, like Sylvia. <laughs> this is a quote from his daughter, Sylvia. Since childhood, my father had a restlessness, a compulsion to travel and to explore. He dreamt as a boy of becoming a sailor, a sailor and traveling the world, but was rejected by the Italian Navy when he eventually applied because of his bad teeth. 
What? Yeah, I never. But he was such a good swimmer. Yeah, that was strange. Like, if the boat went down, Why there's a good chance sailing? he'll make it. Yeah, your teeth aren't any good for sailing. They used to, they used to just have to compete with sharks somehow. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, that must have been pre World War Two when they were pretty desperate. Yeah. That anyone come on in? <laughs> well, yeah, it was only just pre World War Two. What? You're a four year old with no teeth. Who cares? You're in the Come army in. now. Here's a gun. Uh. With his the quote goes on. With his parents, he went to the Dolomites or Dolomites. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> on vacation, he started mountaineering with his father and spent his youth in the Julian Julian <laughs> Alps. He was an amateur mountaineer in love with adventure. Oh nice God. quote about her dad. Uh, in 1938, the same year that he was married, Benuzzi joined the army, enlisting in the Italian Colonial Service. I'm not sure if that is actually the army, but you know he enrolled in a an official government position. Right. From there, he was sent to Ethiopia, a.k.a. This is a word that I struggled with in the Prankster episode. Ab- Abyssinia? Yes, that's right. Abyssinia. I think it, it's, it's almost interchangeable, or they were at that time. Um, so he was sent to Ethiopia, which at the time was occupied by Italy, as I mentioned mm-hmm. before, as they tried to build their East African colony, which had recently added the Ethiopian Empire to Italian... Eritrea and Italian Somalia land, which Italy had op- occupied since the 1860s and 1880s, respectively. I, d- I didn't know any of this history at all, Italy um, trying to start an empire in Africa at all. No, I don't. Yeah, I, all of you were trying, sort of trying to carve it up and compete against each other. It was just yeah. and that, all pretty awful. Yeah. Is it like buying investment properties, you know? At the time, they were sort of treating it like a game of Monopoly. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty no yuck. good, no good. I got sidetracked oh, yeah. in the research and re- read a fair bit, but it was, it's pretty complex. Monopoly, <laughs> yeah, it's say. fucking yeah. hard, man. Yeah. I, I always one. get so angry, flip that board. Uh, <laughs> what what's what little Monopoly character do you go as? I go as the car. Oh, I love, <laughs> the, <laughs> love the dog or the bowling. Of course. A bowler hat. You would go for oh. the dog, little Scotty dog, isn't it? Yeah, and we always, we'd call the dog a pisser. And when it stopped at a hotel, my family would say, oh, stopping in for a piss. That's a bit cute. Yeah, a little pisser. <laughs> piss of the dog. <laughs> I mean, it was whizzer when I was quite young, and then as we got older, we were allowed to say pisser. Oh, you, that's fun. You know dogs don't have to go inside to piss. You have a dog. They just do it on the street. He comes inside to piss. <laughs> Everything outside except for pissing. Oh, that's why he's got that bowler hat, I guess. <laughs> yeah. it's a fancy dog. It's a fancy dog. I used to be the racehorse. They still use that. Oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I I won't go into all of that, but the British forces, along with the Ethiopian resistance, forced the Italians to surrender by the end of 1941, ending about six years of Italian rule in the Ethiopian Empire. Uh, with this, Benuzzi was taken prisoner by the British, and according to Lyons, he was stationed in Addis Ababa, the capital city of Ethiopia, when the British Army offensive moved into East Africa. By 1941, he was a prisoner of war interned in British Prison of War Camp 354 at the foot of Mount Kenya and just south of the equator. Initially, Benutzi found life in the camp relatively pleasant, but quite boring for prisoners writing. The sole activity uh, for this host of people was to wander around the camp, walking around and talking to one another. Yeah, get your steps up, get your chats in. That sounds like a fucking dream. What do you mean? That sounds great. It actually does As sound pretty good. As prison camps go, yeah. you know? Do a bit of walking, do a bit of talking. Talk it, walking and talking. I love that. You don't have to hit any rocks. 
You don't have, you're not worn down. You don't have to pay bills. Not worn down by life. You don't have reports to write. What POW ah. camps make you pay bills? No, I'm just saying, like, you don't have to live. <laughs> All right, mate. Life. Just the water builders came in. If you could sort this one out, that'd be nice. All right. You don't have those stresses of life. It does. Like, I agree. It sounds pretty good to me as well. Um, when he first. Oh, all we can do is walk and chat. <laughs> are they, there are, I'll talk a little bit about other things they could do as well, which also sounded nice, but. Um... <laughs> I think we're depressed. <laughs> if, if, if you're longing for a POW camp yeah, in the 40s. Yeah, that sounds all right. I think I just need a break. <laughs> I think I'm tired. <laughs> anyway. When he first arrived. It was rainy and the weather was overcast, meaning he was unaware they were stationed so close to Mount Kenya. He couldn't he couldn't see it uh, for oh. the first little period he was there. That was until one morning when the weather briefly cleared and he got a glimpse. Uh, he got to glimpse the impressive mount. According to Lyons, though he was a mountaineer, it was the first seventeen thousand foot peak Benutzi had ever seen, and he wrote that he remained spellbound for hours afterwards. Wow. He just looked at a mountain. Fuck, it is boring in there, isn't it? <laughs> he sees a hill and he's like, whoa. There was one time I caught the same bus every day for six years when I was in high school on the way home. And about four years in, one day I was on the drive home and I looked over. Suddenly there was a mountain I'd never noticed before. <laughs> wow. And then every day from then I was like, has that always been there? Has that always been there? <laughs> for two years you yeah, did that. Yeah. No, I was like four. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, it was two years. Me going, is that, is that that's still there? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah, anyway, so I can understand how it would blow that guy's mind. But also he was he grew up uh, mountaineering. He loved mountaineering. It was his childhood passion. And then all of a sudden he's ended up at the foot of a mountain bigger than he's ever seen before. Yeah. I guess it's like going to like a really beautiful beach, you know? You're like, whoa, I've seen a lot of beaches, but this one's particularly good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, be like, like going a Melbourne to person going to a yeah. another beach. Yeah, our beaches suck. Uh, oh. He described it as having fallen in love. Oh, it's offensive for his wife. <laughs> According to Britannica. He thought about that mountain all night long. <laughs> <laughs> that mountain did things to him. <laughs> Nobody else ever has. It would be fun if this story took a turn. It was about how he married the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> in my head, he did. <laughs> Well, actually, I didn't read that he didn't. Yeah, so. can't prove it. According to Britannica, Mount Kenya, or Kiranyaga uh, in Swahili, is a mountain and volcano, an extinct volcano in central Kenya, lying immediately south of the equator, is the second highest mountain in Africa after Kilimanjaro, which is located some 200 miles to the south. The Mount Kenya area was added to UNESCO's World Heritage List in 1997. The base of the mountain lies at some 5,250 feet at the 8,000-foot contour. The circumference is approximately 95 miles. Its summit area is categorized by steep pyramidal peaks. Pyramidal? Yeah. Pyramidal. I've got to tell you, all these mountain stats are getting me hot under the collar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Principal Glad among which? Down, yeah, me too. <laughs> so the three main peaks are Batian at 17,058 feet. Nellian at 17,022 feet and Point Lanana, 16,355 feet. They're the big three. That's really quite tall. Yes, second biggest in Africa. So big mountains, even bigger than the ones in Australia. What? 
Hmm. Bigger than Kosciuszko, which I've walked to the top of. Bigger than one that I once saw from the bus on the way home from Warrandyte <laughs> High School. Come sure? on, Matt, do your research. What is the uh, what is the mountain in Warrandyte or wherever you were? No, to be honest, it's probably just a big hill, but I've never <laughs> seen it. Before. I've never seen it. Has that hill always been there? Is it still there? I don't know. So <laughs> probably Mount Kosciuszko is. 2,228 metres above sea level. Mm, I don't know what that is in feet. All right. Um, so about triple that. So, yeah. So, so it's still about h- half or less. <laughs> right. Lyons described the mountain saying, around its base lay fertile farmland cut out of the tropical forests. Then it rose through jungle and belts of bamboo, through timberline forests with relatively small trees, lichens, I don't know what that is, and moss, then heath lichen. Uh, lichens. Like lichen and moss. What's that from? That's from Roof Seal, the Roof Seal jingle. <laughs> if your roof is getting lost in the lichen and the moss and your mortar isn't where it ought to be, give it back that old appeal with a visit from Roof Seal. 1-800-TV-4-4. The, the bit they'd want me to remember. And then does the seal bark and go, roof, roof. Yeah. What is the number? That's funny. I've ne- That's the only place I've ever heard lichen before. Start the number again. One three seven oh one eight hundred seven. It's seven oh seven oh. Roof roof. So that's lichens are sort of like a mossy sort of thing. Yeah, it grows on rocks, roofs, and, <laughs> and roofs. <laughs> roofs. Uh, so uh, lichens, moss, then heath and grassland, followed by glaciers and snowfields. It's pretty wild, like a bit of everything. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like a kid drew it. All right, and then there's a jungle, <laughs> yeah. there's yeah. a forest, then there's a glacier, then there's a tiger. <laughs> okay. And the tiger, uh, you have to answer three riddles. <laughs> and if you don't, it eats my teacher, Mr. Kevin. I hate, I hate you, Mr. Kevin. <laughs> Mr. Kevin. I don't know his last name. He won't tell me. Well, it's one of those progressive schools. We call the teachers by their first name. But I, refu- I would call it Mr. To Kevin. <laughs> to Benuzzi, it was like uh, it was a mountain like he'd never seen before. He called it an ethereal mountain. <laughs> he was so bored. <laughs> the mountain remained in his thoughts as he continued on with the monotony of what sounds like a very pleasant prison life. He's just thinking of boobs. <laughs> so you just walk around and talk to people. Yeah. And well, go, look at that mountain. One night, heading back to his barracks after a game of chess, he had oh. an epiphany. Walking along, he heard someone hammering away inside one of the buildings, and according to him, a strange sense of envy crept into my mind. That prisoner had set himself a task, whatever it was. For him, the future existed. He had found a remedy for captivity, to break the monotony. I need only to start taking risks again. It changed his mind. It's this banging noise. Someone hammering away. God. He goes, holy shit, this guy's got it together. It's probably should- like... Like, you know, the janitor fixing someone's bunk totally. bed. Plumber's fixing. <laughs> I wish I could have an epiphany every time my neighbours were making noise. Yeah, banging sounds. But <laughs> your neighbours do make banging sounds. Look <laughs> at a different neighbours, but yes, <laughs> there are some neighbours. They make... bang away, oh, hammer yeah. away. Yep, <laughs> their Never life has you purpose. <laughs> but I've also got neighbours who just moved in next door who were building furniture at like midnight, just drilling into the wall and stuff late at night. <laughs> What are they building in there? I was like, I hate. It was the first night they lived there, and then they had a fight at three a.m. screaming at each other. I was like, I hate Moving you. Moving is stressful. I get that, but they're Where's still the doing it. Three weeks having later, to, having to build furniture at night, it's not that surprising. 
building furniture yeah. at midnight, just having moved in. Oh, really? And that ended up with an argument? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So why are you siding with them? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just saying. I was awake. Who's, cho- who's choosing to do that? I know. They're idiots. I'd be sleeping on the like just the wooden floor or whatever. Yeah. Or anyway. I'd probably have a couch or something. But I could have had a lot of epiphanies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Had I heard this story sooner. But our guy, Antonio Fibonacci, whatever his name is, <laughs> he's heard this sound and now he's now inspired. Felice. Benuzzi. Ah, Felice Fibonacci. <laughs> a little offensive as an Italian man, but I'll let you get away with it. I really like the name Fibonacci. Doesn't it sound good? That's a great name. It yeah. does sound great. It's just not relevant here. Not relevant. That's not, not his, his name. name. It's like me saying, mm, Dave, is it? Nah, I like Fibonacci. <laughs> I'd love to be called Fibonacci. Of all things nah, I could have like, said. Bleh. Yeah. I I think I'm gonna call you bleh. I think I'm just gonna call you me vomiting in a bucket every time I see you. Bleh. I'm just having a flashback the last week. Um, <laughs> happy to be called Blur as well, by the way. Oh my god. Fibonacci. Actually it goes Cobra, yes. then Fibonacci, okay. then Blur. That's my preference. Interesting. Where's Dave sitting that? I haven't thought about it. <laughs> okay. Hasn't made the cut. So this whole epiphany uh, led him to make the decision that he was going to climb the mountain. Sure, yes. I had that thought. Uh, you got you got there before he did. Yeah, big time. I thought he was going to fix a bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story about a guy in a POW camp who fixed a bunk he bed. He was really what He wrote a 600-page novel about it. Then he married a mountain. <laughs> there were a few stumbling blocks in his way. Firstly, he didn't have any of his mountaineering gear. And maybe even more importantly, he was in a prison camp. Hmm. <laughs> yes. Lyons describes how he started overcoming the first issue, saying, He began by writing to his family in Italy, and without saying why, asking that they send him his boots and some warm woolen clothing. He quit smoking, and he used his allotted cigarettes, the general currency of the camp, to buy other items he needed. He sold whatever of his personal belongings he could to raise additional capital, scoured camp trash heaps for usable items, and was able to locate a homemade Italian flag hidden in the camp. He hoarded chocolate, dry f- dried fruit, and crackers from the food parcels he received, had ice axes fashioned from hammers stolen from a workshop, and created crampons rigged from odds and ends salvaged from the trash heaps. No, crampons are sort of spiky <laughs> shoe things for right. hiking. Right, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> the men tampons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for maps, he had only sketches he had made of the mountain from sight. That's not how a map works. So he's, cause, meaning he could only see one side of the mountain. Yeah. Luckily, he found a label from a food can with a picture of Mount Kenya that showed the other side of it. <laughs> You're kidding. Oh, my God. So there is two maps. Um, he undid the netting of a bunk bed and twisted it into a quarter inch, 30 foot long. Told you, bunk bed. 35 foot long rope. Um <laughs> His experience climbed, so he like he did a lot of work. Yeah. His preparation took about eight months. Wow. Uh, his experience climbing, but I guess all of that gave him this um, purpose that he was looking yeah. for. Yeah. His experience climbing in the past told him that he would not be able to reach the peak alone, so he decided he needed two other men and set out to recruit them. The first would need to be an experienced mountaineer who would accompany accompany him to the peak. The other, according to Lyons, would be able to stay at the base camp while the final ascent was taking place. His main job would to be help with the night watches while the party worked its way up through the tropical forests, bamboo thickets and the like on its way to their final camp. They were especially leery of the rhinoceroses that were known to roam the lower parts of the mountain. Lucky for Benuzzi, 
he shared a bunk with the perfect candidate to fill the first role. This is wild. He shared a bunk with a doctor who also happened to be a mountaineer. Oh, my God. Uh, his name was Giovanni Belletto. Belletto was respected by the camp authorities, and they had given him a section of the camp garden to turn into a veggie patch. This is another prisoner. He's got a little veggie patch out the back. Adorable. Uh, in that, uh, next to his veggie patch, he also built a small tool shed. Uh, so the first spot was filled. What's he growing in his veggie patch? Uh, tomatoes. Mm. Yeah. What else? Uh, That's it. Split peas. Ooh. Uh, Anything else? Dingleberries. Ah. Yeah, so a bit of everything. Yeah, the big three. <laughs> so the first spot was filled, and to fill the second role, Benuzzi recruited Enzo Bassotti, a businessman from Tuscany who notably had never climbed a mountain before. I reckon Enzo's going to be that one who can stay back. You know? Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> you stay there. Hey, Enzo, chill out for a bit, I reckon. He was he was asked uh, at one point why he brought on a man who had no mountain climbing experience. And uh, he said, quote, it was because he was universally thought to be as mad as a hatter and mad people were what we needed. Some Someone crazy enough to go through it, okay. I guess. So the group was now made up of Benuzzi, Belletto, and Basotti, which I'm sure won't be confusing to me as I go on reading. Call them the uh, the B boys. <laughs> Benuzzi had over B boys, girls, put your hands in the air. I'm so sorry. No, don't, Just hadn't talked for a while. Don't you ever be sorry? <laughs> Just wanted to chime in. Thank you so much, because that's really what your job is, Dave. Maybe yeah, Dave, you've been note. awfully quiet over there, just doing a lot of nodding and listening. You're thinking about some some sexy mountain you're going to fuck later? Yeah. I regret that straight away, damn it. So I think about it. should have said marry. Fucking a mountain. I say fuck. <laughs> well, you said it, we're in it now, so keep, damn it. keep going in fuck, for it. How do you, you even do it? you fuck a mountain, Dave? How are you going to fuck this mountain? Well, you've got to find the, the good side, the hot side, you know what I mean? Sure. Oh, so you're looking at food cans. you got a food can, you got a sketch, you got to pick. <laughs> Which one? Where's the front? What's the back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spice mm-hmm. it up. Then you put on your crampons and you go to town. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so, is anyone else worried that the third guy who's mad, once he gets out of the prison, will be like, actually, I'm just going to go? Yeah. It'd just be, it's just good to get out of prison. I think that, uh, I, I think he trusted the group also, it would basically be suicide. They're so far from neutral territory and, uh, and it would just be like wild terrain, traveling by yourself through Africa. So is the plan to go up the mountain and then come back to the prison camp? Yes. What? <laughs> okay. And what, nobody's going to notice? So it's just something to do. That's the hope. They, uh, Some sources say, this doesn't seem to be across all, um, they left a note. <laughs> <laughs> back in five. Just going up the mountain and be back. Weeks, oh. back in five weeks. Uh, so they needed to escape and they hadn't figured out how to do that yet, but someone had the thought that the camp garden would be the perfect escape route. Um, the garden was behind a locked gate, but Basotti had been given an access pass for it because he had his little veggie patch there. Mm. And with it, he could come and go as he pleased. With this plan in place, they started moving their mountaineering equipment bit by bit over to the garden, hiding it amongst Basotti's tomato plants. So they put their crampons and all the different mm-hmm. bits and pieces. Must be a pretty big... Yeah, Patch. pretty, and it must be thick as well, those tomato vines at the time, to be able to hide all this gear Heaps amongst it. I would have thought you'd put it in the shed. Yeah. Maybe that's what they did. <laughs> they hid it anyway. They're putting me off the, off the, off the body track. Yeah. The scent. 
And that's hard to do. That is hard to do because I'm I'm a, I'm a real private dick. <laughs> Bassotti's access to the garden was all well and good for moving equipment in, but as the other two men did not have passes, they would need to figure out a different way of getting into the garden on the night of the escape. They realised they were going to have to get hold of the key to the garden gate. As the group prepared, Benuzzi wrote about struggling with doubt, saying, There are occasions when the thought of our impending adventure made me frightened. Sometimes I thought what it would be like lying out in the dark, wet forest, dead tired, exhausted by hunger, drenched to the bone, in imminent danger of being attacked by wild beasts. That prospect I compared with the warm blankets in my bunk, the familiar oil lamp, and the good old book I was now preparing to read. It does feel like I'd take the reading the book in a warm bed option. Yes. Sounds, sounds like he's staying at and a resort. I get to walk. Walk and that. talk. Mm. Oh, my God. Two of my favourite things. Yeah, even more favourite than being cold and near rhinoceroses. And, and being exhausted because I've been hiking all day. Uh, no, thank you. I hate camping. Mama's staying in prison. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> he overcame these uh, these thoughts by considering the alternatives, staying in the comfortable but, but monotonous prison. He felt sorry for the other prisoners, saying that, I felt, pi- I, felt, I felt only pity that they should be content to endure this stagnating life without having in mind a project like ours. We haven't got a mountain to fuck. You could do, you, they could have other things going for them, you know? Yeah, you don't know. They could be writing something or um, want to live. Um, or planning a proper escape. Yeah, not I'm going to escape, Run climb up, a up mountain. that mountain and then come back here. You idiot. Yeah. The arrogance on this guy. How, how would you get to cross like the thousands of kilometres? It's not that far. Oh, my God. Thousands man. of feet. Thousands of meters. He's, he's going to go thousands of feet up. Just go thousands of feet across. Okay. And go home. I would have. <laughs> I would have ridden one of them rhinoceroses. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. them do the walking for once. I'd get an Uber. Hadn't thought of that. Get an Uber to the airport. Oh. Fly home. First class. No. You've earned oh, it. You've yeah. earned it. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. You probably been... probably got points at some point. <laughs> Surely. Yeah, just put it on points. I'll put it on points. Yeah. Just oh, you could sell the rhinoceros to um, Richard Branson, whoever flies the plane, for points. Yeah, I trade a rhino for a, a lift. Yeah, seems very reasonable. I think so. I don't take up that much space. Yeah. I don't have a lot of baggage, yeah. other than emotional, because oh, I've been in no. prison. But I don't have a lot of like stuff with me because I've been in prison. Yeah, I've said too much. Can I get on your plane, please? I've got this can of veggies <laughs> with a nice picture Ooh, on it. Look at this. So they had to find had to find a key. They basically needed to steal the key to make it work to get into this garden. This feels like a video them. game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After many failed attempts at getting the garden gate key, Benuzzi fell into a bit of luck when he found the key left unattended on, <laughs> on a British officer's desk. Of course. He grabbed it and made multiple impressions of it in a piece of tar. He took the tar to the uh, prisoner who was also a mechanic who was able to use the impressions to make a copy of the key. Far out. Just take the key. <laughs> you dickhead. <laughs> the problem is they ne- it was time sensitive, so they needed to be able to do it unnoticed. Well, then it's on the soldiers. It's his fault for losing the key. Yeah, I guess, I guess if, if he noticed it was gone, then they might be sprung. Or yeah. So this way they could do it and no one, no, they're none the wiser. Yeah, I get it. Just I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> the fun they made a key. 
Out of what? I thought a lot of this was more fun. To that be is, that is, that is fun. He made a key, seemed Any, like fun. Anytime Have you, you ever gone to get a key cut? That's fun. You yeah. see that machine? And then he gives you a key that's the same as the other key. That's how do they crazy. do it? I don't know how it's they magic. do it. And then you think, have they kept a copy of that key? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For never, what? Never why? Trust them. Yeah. For why? what? Why, why do you ask me my, my address? Well, yeah. And what? And when I'm out most days. <laughs> yeah. And weird. when I'm in, more well, weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll definitely be home tonight. Good. See you then. I mean, Good. thanks for your business. What do you want to watch? I mean, oh, I'll bring the popcorn. Oh, he's just lonely. <laughs> he's a really lonely guy. You guys, he's just lonely. Sorry, key man. Sorry, key man. <laughs> key man's a cool nickname. Yeah. Can I have that? No. No, blur. It doesn't work for you. Fibonacci. How does it, what, how is that relevant? Fibonacci or Keyman? How does that, what's the story there? There's got to be a story behind a nickname. Um, come up with all my ideas in the bath, like Fibonacci. <laughs> okay, and that's why you're called the Keyman? <laughs> it I mean, doesn't work. You always start one place and then you've got a couple of steps away. Fibonacci yeah. is keys, probably. Yes, or. Who's Fibonacci? He's the guy who. Describe dancing, right? Well, no. <laughs> he he took a. I know he took a bath. It's the guy that got in the bath and the water rose, and he was like, "Ah, oh, Eureka! I've got it! I'm oh, Fibonacci!" Oh yes. Oh, that's when he thought of his name, <laughs> Eureka! I've got oh it. Oh my god! Stop calling me Greg. I'm Fibonacci. <laughs> Rebrand. That's when it happened. Yeah, okay, he's I love been sitting that. in the bath for three weeks trying to think of a cool name. Yeah, god, what can I call myself? Tap? No, that's not good. <laughs> Fibberbachi, <laughs> Fibberbathy. Oh, what am I talking about? I'm going crazy, Fibberbachi. I've got I've it. Done it! Yells Eureka! To, yells out to his wife, Susan. I've done it. Shut up, Greg. <laughs> it's not Greg anymore. <laughs> I'm Fibberbachi. <laughs> You're still Susan, though. Huh? <laughs> I think that's how it went. That's definitely how it went. Yeah. Verbatim. We are pretty good with history. Yes. And geography. And maths. So they've got a new key. They've got a fake yes. key. <laughs> Are you Fakey. emphasizing that for a reason? No, well. They've got a fake key. You put I, that don't, in a I don't think mark? it's going to work. Benucci went to test the key and his heart must have been racing as he leant against the gate, just casually leant against the gate in full view of a guard. And he just sort of like subtly slotted it in. Is he like smiling whilst doing it? Yeah. Hey. Just hey. hanging Good out. Morning. Just landed on the old gate here. No worries. Don't look at my hand. Click, <laughs> click, click. Don't worry about that. <laughs> he tried to turn it. Unfortunately, it did not turn. Luckily, the guard didn't notice that he failed to open the gate. You, but um, You better believe he walked away whistling. <laughs> yeah, both hands in pockets. Very casual. So he, he tried to make multiple adjustments to the key. And he did make multiple adjustments to the key. Uh, none of those worked, unfortunately. And it was not until Benucci realised uh, that he needed to use a little oil on the key. Basically uh, a bit of WD-40. Lube it up. Lube ah. it up. Lube that key. Lube that key. <laughs> the whole camp's yelling at <laughs> The guy's like, what's happening? What's going on there? Uh, they, were, they were saying it in Italian. <laughs> they were so bored. They were all yelling, lube that key, Fibonacci, yeah. So Benucci, he lubed it up and he went back and then he described it as the blissful satisfaction of oh. the click of oh, a complete revolution. Yuck, you pervert. <laughs> well, I lubed it up and then I had a bit of sweet satisfaction. 
The that click. Is, that is gross. What an absolute pervert. What a perv. Yuck. Their plans? He's cancelled. He's cancelled. I really like this guy. Well. You've turned on him, both uh, of you. Yeah, well, he turned the, the lock and we turned on him. <laughs> perv. <laughs> perv. <laughs> perv Hughes over here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a niche reference. <laughs> that's 80s cricketer. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Perf. Once I went to a cricket camp and he taught me how to bowl, so. Merv Hughes taught you how hey. to bowl. Yeah, when I was eight. What the fuck? That's cool. That's cool. He said, you got to imagine you're holding a, a ball of string. And then you open it like a bit of yarn, but you keep it going. And then you throw ah. the yarn, but keep your arm straight. <laughs> and Did I went on to become the, the greatest cricketer <laughs> this country's ever seen. The greatest Australian fastball. Thanks, Perf. Thanks, Perf. Perf Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> he did not like it when an eight-year-old called him Perf Hughes. <laughs> what was he doing hanging around all those eight-year-olds? That's <laughs> yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> I think you can hang around eight-year-olds and teach them how to yeah, bowl. I don't at a cricket can. academy that we definitely paid to see I don't, you, I don't, I don't know if you can. Busted. Uh, so all their plans are starting to come together. They decided to lock in the date. January 24th, 1943. That was going to be the day for their great escape. They roped in a fourth prisoner for the plan, dressing him in an outfit that looked much like one of the camp commander's outfits. <laughs> I don't know how they put it together. The brow wasn't exactly right, but it was basically... They just found a commander's outfit on someone's desk? Yeah. <laughs> Made a copy of it in tar? <laughs> the mechanic busted it out? That must have been what it was. Um, so the fake British officer led the three men to the garden, opened the gate, let them through, relocked the gate, wandered off, probably whistling. <laughs> Sands in his pockets. Mm-hmm. No one batted an eyelid. No one noticed. The B-Boys were in the garden uh, where they hid in the tool shed waiting for the cover of darkness as they believed there to be another guard on the other side of the garden that they would have to sneak by. In the garden, they were able to pick up all the climbing gear that they had stashed there as well as food rations for the journey, which according to bushnob.com included... Bushnob. Yeah. Bush... Snob. Bushnob. Bush snob. Bushnob. I don't think you've cleared it up for me, bush but snob. I love it, whatever it is. Bush snob. <laughs> what did Bush snob say? <laughs> bush snob um, was the only place that I saw it mentioned that they, with them, they took a bottle of pineapple brandy. I thought that worthy of mentioning because I'd never heard of it. Pineapple sounds, brandy. I don't know if it sounds nice or really gross. Yeah. Because I like pineapple. But when you're desperate. Yeah, I guess in the cold nights up a mountain. Yeah, yeah. you'd take it. When you're wearing homemade. Like yeah. barbed wire on your feet, basically. And <laughs> Is that why the crampons are barbed wire wrapped on their feet? I it's scrap metal of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> when the night when night fell, they were able to easily make it out of the out of the camp past the perimeter without seeing any guards. It was just seem seemingly unguarded on the perimeter. I love this prison. It really does. Sound, <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if it was a prison at all. Yeah. Uh, they then crossed over the rail line. So this is eight months after he came up with the plan. They mm. then crossed over the rail line before taking a break in the shelter of some bushes because they were very aware that British soldiers were all around and they, they could be found at any moment. Mm. Well, you know, they were still in a war zone, basically. Uh, in these bushes, according to Benuzzi, the glacier-clad Mount Kenya was seen clear-cut against the starry background and he got a big chub. <laughs> <laughs> The other guy's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Go back into the tent. Don't look at me. We don't have a tent. Go back in the bush. <laughs> I just need a moment alone, please. Just give me a moment with my mountain. I'm thinking about the pl- plan. Obviously, I'm, I'm formulating a plan. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> they weren't in the clear yet, though. <laughs> Go away. I'm nearly there. 
<laughs> according to lions, they then worked their way. Lions. lions. There were lions there. Yeah, according to the lions nearby. <laughs> according to the writer, lions, they then worked their way to the main road where a passing military car almost spotted them. But they crossed quickly into the dark clearing on the other side and under some more thorn trees. At times they walked backward to leave footprints that would further confuse any pursuers. It's pretty smart. They're walking backwards. Yeah. Right. I'm going to use that if I'm ever on the run. Uh, This is where the adventure really began. They continued to travel under the cover of darkness, and according to waterstones.com, it took them three days to climb sufficiently high up Mount Kenya Kenya, to consider themselves safe from capture. So I really just... Just moving very stealthily in the dark. And watching you back the whole time. Yeah, it oh. feels so stressful. It'd be very draining. Yeah. You'd sleep well, I reckon. Yeah, well, I no, you wouldn't <laughs> because you'd be scared. Oh, man. There's in the no freezing cold out in the open. There's Ugh. no rest. Uh, Waterstones goes on to say, from then on, their biggest dangers were not British soldiers, but nature itself, wildlife, high altitude, weather, and lack of food. On their way to their destination, they moved through all sort of terrain, uh, moving through a tropical forest, hacking through bamboo and nettle-ridden valleys, and even getting through an encounter with a bull elephant unscathed. No. No, thank you. Uh, the whole time he's thinking, those suckers back there in their warm beds don't know what they're missing yeah. out. <laughs> Reading their books. Ugh. Getting fed a couple of times a day. <laughs> Playing chess in the evenings if they want to. Suckers, yeah. Doing really having free reign. Tending to their garden a bit. <laughs> Fresh tomatoes. Lovely. Uh, they had to trek over glaciers and snow with their homemade gear before setting up base camp at 14,000 feet. There seem to be different retellings of the story from here, but Lyon's version has Benutzi and Boletto attempting to reach the highest peak of Bhutan, uh, but they weren't able to make it as they were thwarted by a snowstorm. Other places I read it, uh, one of them got too sick to go on, altitude sickness and other things. But anyway, they weren't able to make it to the highest peak. They retreated to base camp and licked their wounds for a day before turning their attention to Lenana, the third highest peak on Mount Kenya at 16,355 feet. Still obviously a very high mountain. Mm. A double Kosciuszko. And if you're not wearing proper gear. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. It was pretty well unknown terrain for them. They have no. They're looking at a wrapper. Yes, there were, and and they there were conventional routes to travel, which they didn't know and they did not use. So, so they're they making it up, making their own path. That is so cool. Yeah, it's, and insane. To it me, is- it's like one of the most badass wild stories I've ever yeah. heard. Uh, All because he can. He yeah. wants to do something. He just wanted to have a challenge. Uh, the two men set off the following day with their rations running critically low. They knew they weren't, they weren't going to get another attempt. According to Bush Snob, they climbed through the dark and their basic tools were not really able to manage the snow and mud they encountered. But they pressed on and finally managed to get to the top of Lanana after negotiating really difficult conditions. They got there. They got there. And they negotiated. It's all about communication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. I right, won't go well. to the highest peak, but um, <laughs> what do you give me if I just make it to the, the third highest peak? Yeah. But I'm writing down a number on this piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want an answer today. I'm sliding it over to you. You ever think about it? <laughs> That's but me it, as a businessman. Yeah. Businessman. Women wearing, can be businessmen no, too, Jess. Business Wait, no, that's what you were saying. <laughs> I'm wearing a pinstripe suit Ooh. and I've got a comb over. <laughs> really? And a, yes, you do. And Why are you telling us? We can see you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you really comb it over well. I wouldn't even notice until you mentioned it. Yeah. 
now I can see. It's one of the best comb-overs in the world. Wow. <laughs> Nobody does comb-overs better than yeah, me. Yeah, you put Neil Hamburger to shame. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace (laughs) makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website and make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalized results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words as <laughs> intended, like PDFs, musics, or ebooks. I would love to buy Matt's ebook. I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Be more like Matt. Oh, one hundred and one. Wow. How yeah. many? One, does it go to one hundred and two? It goes all the way to one hundred and two. <laughs> You can customize everything with next generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt 101? Oh, three mil. Wow. Wow. Like per month or? Yeah, USD. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash do. Do go on. Uh, so of of the site, as they got to the top, Benuzzi described it as a grand site indeed. So understated. <laughs> He's That's quite, pretty good. <laughs> nearly died to get here. Oh, grand site. Once there, they firmly planted their Italian flag and left a bottle sealed with their names written in it. With supplies running ever lower, they returned to base camp before resting. I mean, I'm skipping over this, but it was... A wild journey back down again, you know? Like of course. The whole way up, could have died, back down, same thing. Uh, and then so they got back to base camp. Then the following day they set back for prison camp. And what, do you, what are they doing at night? Are they sleeping inside anything? Uh, there were some huts, but they were trite. Um, <laughs> there were some concrete huts, but they did oh. not use them. Okay. Because um, his daughter, I read his, his daughter said in, an, in a blog, which I'll link to as well, that um, they didn't want to because there was a possibility that they'd be locked inside because they had lockable doors on them. And if they slept in there overnight, maybe they'd get locked in. And then they'd have to break out, which would be a crime, and they didn't want to commit any crimes. (laughs) Okay. That seems like a silly choice. Doesn't that? That feels a bit bonkers. I'm going to sleep out in the snow rather than go inside that shelter that's built probably for people like me (laughs) in case I have to break it. Wild. 
Um, I think that every time I go to an Airbnb, I think, oh, I don't want to commit any crimes, <laughs> but I don't understand how doors work. <laughs> I've got to break down this door every time. So I always see other people with a sledgehammer. Just, I see other people just come and go willy-nilly. Nobody will explain to me Criminals. how the door works. <laughs> Criminals, one and all. They should be locked up. Then they'd probably just get out again. They were there all their knowledge of these doors. I don't get it. And I've asked people and they laugh. And I said, Why are you laughing? Help me. They say, Turn the knob. I'm like, What What's are you talking knob? about? What's a bush knob? <laughs> I don't understand. What do you mean, turn? <laughs> Sometimes it's one you push down a bit. What if it's a sliding door? It's very confusing. Turn the sliding door. <laughs> what is this, a revolving door? <laughs> it's very confusing. I'm too nervous to go on them. What sl- if I miss the exit? <laughs> Gotta go around again. I look silly. <laughs> I'll just sleep in the snow. What is the point of revolving doors? Yeah, just leave a hole in the wall. You know there's what I mean? Because so, there's always a regular door next to them. Hmm. Why do they? Just ha- in case. Is it just for looks? I think it's got to be for looks. They're so dumb and annoying. It's like I a got, chandelier. Gotta tell you, as a kid, the first time I ever saw one, it blew my mind. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm just for the kids. Just spinning round and round and round. I'm, you know, I'm in there for 30 revolutions going, I'm still inside the door. And I'll always use them, <laughs> of yeah. course. But they're dumb because you walk into it and then you have to do like a like a shuffle. Mm, they scare me a little bit yeah. now. As they kind of feel like an 80s thing to me somehow. Yeah, why are they mm. still around? Why like, are things from the 80s like still here? Wall Street's here? gone mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there was an excess of ball bearings. I didn't know where to put <laughs> <Yeah>. them all. <laughs> Make the door spin. All right. <laughs> Everything from the 80s has to go. Except revolving restaurants. <laughs> no. Yep. Anything that was oh, oh, yes. around. Uh, I'm picking oh, up what you're putting down. Yeah. Now. Nah, I reckon yeah. let's keep some things from nah. the 80s. Nah. Get right. rid of it. All right. Put, only, them in the, put them in the bin. Only 90s onwards. Yeah, right. that's right. 1990 You're onwards. not counting 1780s, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, anything All 80s. from any 80s. <laughs> anyway... 18 days on from their cunning escape, they made it back to the rail line where uh, we're outside the perimeter of the prison camp. 18 that days. That makes sense, does it? 18 days. And their That's mate it. just waited at base camp for them and then they've walked back together. Well, the 18 days was from breaking out to getting... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. they've picked him up on the yeah, way Yeah, they picked him up on the way through. He just had a holiday. He just had a little break from he prison. He did what he does in prison, but like in worse conditions. But Slept he, and I mean, nothing. he had to... He had to climb a fair chunk oh, of the mountain, yeah. get past an elephant. There's rhinos around. Yep. He like his job was almost worse because he didn't get to do the cool bit at the end. Yeah, did you get? Did you get there? Oh, I got close. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it was very. Yeah, nice. yeah we all saw it back here in prison. <laughs> yeah, look <laughs> from our is. comfy beds. Look right there. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Uh, so they got back to camp, and here, according to Lions, tired, very hungry, and afraid they would be shot at. If they were spotted. So they're still on the outside of the camp, but they're basically getting close. They're trying to break into prison. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're afraid they're <laughs> going to get shot at as they try and break back into prison. Um, so they fastened all their loose gear to prevent noise and began crawling back toward the camp garden. So they crawled the last chunk of the journey. Just, I think it was feeling too easy. Just for a challenge. Yeah. Uh, he continues, lines, in the darkness... They were not seen by any sentry, okay, guards. Very bad at their jobs. And slipped back inside as easily as they had slipped out. They snuck back to the tool shed in the garden where they had a restless night as they huddled together near starving. Their mates inside were meant to leave food for them. Right. And they did that. And apparently every day they'd do it and then those friends had, you know, just taken a little 
little skimming a little bit of food off the top mm. and putting it in there each night. And then they go back the next day to put a little more in. And what they put there last night had gone. And then it happened again and again. So it, they'd put a little bit in there, but the next day would be gone. So not sure why. Is it a rat? Either a rat, in, in like literally a rat, or one of them is stealing the extra food for themselves. Yeah, or and, a guard was like, ooh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here they are again. <laughs> <laughs> and garden fairies left me a treat. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, nuts. <laughs> what kind of nuts is it, Dave? Oh, almonds, my favourite. <laughs> Either that or they've come back. No one expected them to survive. And they've said, you said you'd leave food in the shed. They're like, oh, oh no, yeah. we did every day, but just disappeared. They never left any food. food. Uh, the next day when they heard other prisoners in the garden, so sun's up. They're in prisoners out in the garden. They snuck out and sort of mingled amongst them before walking back into the camp amongst other prisoners where they scoffed down their lunch with the rest of the prisoners, probably with a glass of red wine. Oh, just your Picturing cigar. like <laughs> silver plates. And <laughs> they then returned to their own bunks to sleep the night before reporting themselves in the morning to the British compound officer. So they, ha- so they haven't been replaced in the bunk because my no. worry would be you've been away for three weeks, they've got a new inmate in. Or maybe they did, but they still slept in those beds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, piss off, Jeremy. I slept here three weeks ago. So. Top to tail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, their punishment, so they turned themselves in. Uh, their punishment was to serve 28 days in confined cells, but were released after only seven days. Benuzzi later wrote that the camp commandant was very kind to us and had, as he put it, appreciated our sporting effort. This feels like a very British sort of thing. Well played, chaps. <laughs> and they came back. That's so weird. <laughs> well, yeah, why would you punish them? It's like, well, you're back in prison. You saved us some food yeah. for a bit. You actually, our overheads are a little down <laughs> on where they would have been otherwise. That makes sense now. I was thinking, why are we about three people's <laughs> worth of food down? Do you reckon they'd noticed? The they guards? must have, yeah, because there's roll calls and stuff. Yeah. So the night they got back, they skipped the roll call and went to bed because they were missing anyway. That no one was like they weren't searching for him anymore inside, um, but yeah, when they found him, they they um, searched them thoroughly apparently, and then put him in these these little cells for twenty eight days, reduced to seven. To seven. Imagine their cellmates though, who were really enjoying having the place to themselves. Yeah. and now it's like oh, you better. be like get being on the plane with their seat yes. next to you, and, oh. and that that all of a sudden there's just before takeoff, one last person comes on, right next Where's to you. Where's he gonna sit? Oh, no. He's coming this way. Where's Stinky Pete going to sit? Oh, no. They're always stinky. This does make me think of, if you, have you ever watched Hogan's Heroes? Yes. Yes. And every time you're watching it, you're like, comedy's set in a POW camp. That's a, bit, that's a bit out there. All right. And then it never, you know, it feels so ridiculous. But this kind of feels a bit yeah, like Yeah, it that. does yeah. feel, it feels fantastical. Yes. They would uh, do something like that, sneak out only to sneak back in. Homer. <laughs> that was from that, right? Yeah. Uh, I know all about Hogan's Heroes from The Simpsons. It's Homer's subconscious. Yes, but he doesn't but he, know. And he, who does he appear as? Is it Isaac first, Newton? Maybe? Isaac Newton. I'm Isaac Newton, Homer. <laughs> who? Yeah, he doesn't know who this. So <laughs> then he that comes back as Colonel Clink from Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> A few days later, some British climbers discovered their flag and bottle on Lanana. British climbers who were up there with actual climbing gear and stuff. 
and uh, their adventure then became public knowledge. Such an amazing feat, but made even more so when you consider the trio lacked even the most basic information about the mountain before they set off. Mm. According to his daughter, Sylvia... I've written Sil- Sylvia. I've written Sylvivia. And that's what, <laughs> Great name. That's what mucked me up there. <laughs> According to his daughter, Sylvia, they were ignorant about many crucial issues regarding their adventure. <laughs> they didn't know, know about feminism back then. <laughs> so ignorant. <laughs> Inclu- I'll, look, I'll probably be the one to talk about feminism sorry, sorry. on this show, Dave. I brought it up so you could teach us. Yeah. Um, if you could sit back, Jess, lean in. <laughs> let's, let's chat. I'm going to teach you about feminism. Hey, woman. Hey, woman. Lean in. Well, firstly, you shouldn't use that kind of language. Um, Hi, woman. (laughs) Anyway, Sylvivia. Sylvivia. So she said, they were ignorant about many crucial issues regarding their adventure, including about the tropical African wilderness, about the distances they had to walk and the climate they had to face. A couple of key things there that you would normally know about before starting a trek. About the mountain, uh, they had no idea about access, possible shelters, the history of the mountain and its main routes of ascent. No idea that the mountain being on the equator, this one uh, is wild to me. They had no idea, and neither did I, that being on the equator, the mountain behaved both as winter and or summer, depending on which side you tackled it. One side of it is what? a winter mountain, the other side is a summer mountain, apparently. Is that, is that wild? That's is that, insane. Can that like, be true, that sounds, Dave? It sounds like a theme park. <laughs> it so it's wet and water world over here, but over here it's traditional. It's dry. But if you get a super park pass, you can go to both. Two park super pass. <laughs> oh, that blew my mind. That is, that is outrageous. And to be honest, I haven't uh, double-checked that anywhere, but it does... <laughs> I trust Sylvia. I trust Sylvia. Sylvia. Sylvia, thank you. Forever. Sylvia forever. Uh, in 1947, Benutzi had a book published telling his story. The book was translated into English in 1952, titled No Picnic on Mount Kenya. It has also been translated into various editions, including French, Spanish, German, Swedish, and Korean. I reckon someone suggested I'd do that for Book Cheat, that book, I reckon. Yeah, I, I bet, because it's seen as a, a classic, certainly a, a mountaineering classic. Right. And in 1994, it was turned into a film called The Ascent. Uh, the film, according to a review on IMDb, is a highly fictionalised real-life adventure of an Italian soldier who escapes a British prisoner of war camp to climb the challenging 17,000-foot Mount Kenya and plant the Italian flag on the summit. That bit sounds non-fiction. It sounds a bit more fictional when the breakdown goes on to say, the obsessive British camp commander pursues him and the two men are locked in a battle of wills fueled by honour and their love for the same woman. What? Okay. Why'd she come into it? What's she... Why? Okay. What does him climbing a mountain have to do with loving a woman? I will marry whichever one of you gets to the top of that mountain. <laughs> All right. She's standing up there. She just strolled up. Yeah. Whoever Yoo-hoo! gets here first. Unless the woman is the mountain. Okay. See, now Dave's interested. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Any sex scenes in this Oh, scantily clad mountain, eh? Oh, yeah. Oh, summer summer side for me. Oh, baby, I can see your peak. (laughs) It's a bit cold up there. I can see your ice caps. Is that anything? No. I've got to tell you, the, the name No Picnic on Mount Kenya is much better than The Ascent. Yeah. Shit name. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it's when I try to find it, there were like five different films with the same name as well. Yeah. Benutzi remained... So 
remember his life before an, an international swimmer. Oh, yeah. I forgot this guy's amazing. Um, yeah, shit. Went over. Unfortunately, time for him uh, got caught up in a British reinvasion. I mean, in, maybe, yeah, no, whatever. I don't, the history there, I don't think Italy was uh, really in a good, in a, in the, didn't have the high ground there. They did not have the high ground until he climbed the mount. Yeah, he's like, look, we did it. <laughs> but um, and the woman was very happy. <laughs> and she went on to be his wife because <laughs> he won. Sylvia's mother. <gasps> Is this true? Sylvia Seaton. Yeah. Mother said, Sylvia's happy. Benuzzi remained in the prison a further three years after his return before being repatriated in August of 1946. How long had he been in there beforehand? A couple of years. Right. So he was in there for quite a chunk. His post-war life also sounds fascinating as he became an Italian diplomat in 1948, diplomat, where he served around the world, including posts in Paris, Brisbane, Australia, Karachi, Canberra, Australia, West Berlin, and as head of the Italian delegation at the United Nations. What? He lived in Australia. <laughs> in Brisbane. That's where we are. I know. Crazy. Uh, Lyons also writes that in 1973 he was appointed ambassador to Uruguay and lived in Montevideo before retiring to Rome, serving in retirement as head of the Italian delegation for the Antarctic. Whoa. What? This guy's like, I don't know why he's not uh, as like a bigger name as yeah. Fabinucci or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Fabinucci sounds like a real stud. Yeah, Fabinucci is on all the covers of all those Boons and Neil. Mills and Boons. Oh, Fabinucci. Of course, all things must come to an end. No. And Felice Banucci passed away in Rome in July of 1988 after 77 amazingly jam-packed years. Wow. I thought I'd finish with one final quote from Sylvia, Sylvia, Benucci. She's become a cult hero. It's just a, a nice quote. I like the cut of her jib, Sylvia. Um, Sylvia. She, Sylvia. She write, wrote, the idea of climbing Mount Kenya for the simple pleasure of doing so was just my father's idea of fun. Even in such extreme of circumstances, what he sought was to live the adventure and ever after he lived each moment of his life to the maximum because he realized that living was an adventure in itself. Oh, that's nice? so nice. He sounds like a really cool dude. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Just, yeah, um, imagine his, his temperament must have been, I imagine, super chilled, right? Yeah. Just to be able to do all these things w- so well, imagine he would have been a uh, pretty laid-back guy. Although he's still going, this hammering over here, I'm jealous of that. So maybe he was a bit <laughs> yeah. highly strung, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, who knows. Maybe a bit of both. And lucky that the guards were pretty inept. Yeah. He was probably a, just, a bit yeah. of a nightmare to be married to, you know? Always doing something. It's like, can you just sit down and watch a movie with me, please? You, you promised. Friday night movie night. Yeah, I don't think she would have seen a lot of him. <laughs> yeah. He hears renovations and he's off. <laughs> yeah. He's gone. And people are always renovating. It's always renovating. I wonder if the the security was so low at the camp because uh, they knew that it was basically impossible to get away. I suppose it's like, well, good, good luck good out luck there. Good luck out there, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. What a life. What a life. Wow. And that is the end of my uh, report, though. Well done. Great report, Toe. Thank Am you. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. 
Which brings us to the point of the show, which I think is everyone's favorite part of the show, actually. It's called the fact yes. quote. It's called the fact quote or question segment of the show. It's got a little jingle Jess does. Fact quote or question. Bing. Nice. And the way you can get involved in this is supporting us at Patreon at patreon.com slash pod, where you can support us on a bunch of different levels for all sorts of different rewards, including bonus episodes, uh, which we do a couple of a month. Uh, and many other things, including this one, if you support us on the Sydney Scheinberg Memorial Rest in Peace level, mm. uh, who uh, was honoured at this week's Academy Awards. Yes. That is right, in memoriam. There he was up there. I was watching and I thought, there he is, Sid yes. Scheinberg. But Keish Lorraine would have been sitting in the audience, tearing her eye. Proud as punch. Proud as punch. Uh, so what you get to do if you're on the Sydney Scheinberg level you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title. And this week, uh, Matthew Bohr has given himself the title of Head Accountant for the Council of Matt's Regret Face. Oh, didn't realise I needed a council for the regret face. Well, how, yeah, all right. But I, I, now that I know that I need one, I feel a lot. I feel What in, was the full title hands. again? Head Accountant. Head Accountant. Uh-oh. For the Council of Matt's Regret Face. I was hoping Jess wouldn't notice the accountant part of that role. Mm. Shouldn't he be the face accountant? Oh, boy. Um, so he's given us a... <laughs> Matthew has given us a fact this week. And I don't read these out until I read them out, obviously. Here we go. Matthew writes, fact. This is going to... This is going back to the Jimmy Barnes episode. Oh, you're talking my language. This is going back to the Jimmy Barnes episode with the question being asked about eating a cat. What? <laughs> well, here is a fact for you. Do you recall us talking about eating a yeah, cat? Yeah, so you're talking about maybe they were so poor they had to eat a cat oh, as well. Oh, yeah. There was oats or something with cat shit on it. Oh, that's right. Something there were like potatoes. That. Potatoes. They had to wash off the cat. But I thought we thought that they were going to eat the cat. And then I said, Isn't, aren't cats, can't they be poisonous? Okay, well... Maybe this fact. So that's the context clear. there. Well done. Matthew writes, cats are more nutritious than dogs, with dogs' protein per 100 grams at an average of 19 grams, while cats' meat is around 21 grams per 100 grams. So from strictly a protein perspective, cats are better. Even stranger, though, is the fact that only a small handful of countries, six, outright ban consumption of these animals, with North America and Australia being on a case-by-case basis. So guard your pets. Huh. Wait, what? Case by cat. Who are you asking? Yeah. The local sheriff? Hello, I'd like to eat this cat. It's ca- case by case in Australia. That's interesting. That no, is very interesting. I, don't... I always find it funny when, you know, like if you, it's weird to draw lines between which animals it's normal to eat and which aren't as well. Yeah. But I understand why because people get very attached to the common pets in Australia, at least, are cats and dogs. So uh, it feels weirder to some people, but. Cows are pretty cool looking things. Cows can be very cute. When they hold their and big pigs? heads high. Pigs are cute. Or little piggies. Oh, little piglets. Oh, man. Put them in gumboots. You're my friend forever. <laughs> but I, yeah, never, is... I never ate pig anyway. I'd never. I'd, I, so I guess that says suggests that cats aren't the poisonous to eat. But I look forward to a future fat quote or question which debunks that mm. somehow. Um, actually, <laughs> I love a debunk of a debunk. Oh, debunk to debunk. Slam dunk debunk. Thanks so much, Matthew. That was a great fact. That was very fascinating. Cats are more nutritious, protein-wise, than dogs. 2%. That does feel hot. I mean, I have no idea what how much meat would be. That's like, yeah. No idea that no. if that is high, but it sounds high. 20% protein. 
That does sound high. Twenty percent protein. <laughs> protein. Protein. Give me two. I was thinking that too. Really? Protein. I'd, protein. <laughs> Give me two. Meatball. I'd also love to thank Siraj Paris. Siraj. Uh, who's given himself the title of Chief Sardine. And he's also given us a fact. I'm pretty sure I just sent Siraj a t-shirt a little while ago. Oh, very cool. You goddamn legend, Siraj. You know you know what you did. Unless I'm wrong, in which case, hey, why didn't you buy a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we guilt everyone. <laughs> Uh, Siraj writes, hi, exclamation mark. Good, strong start. Sending in a fact about where I live. Macau is the most densely populated region in the world with about 20,000, asterisk, people per square kilometre. I reckon I didn't send Siraj a T-shirt then if you're in Macau. (laughs) Since it's a SAR, Special Administrative Region of China, it's not the most densely populated country in the world, that title goes to another casino town, Monaco. It has around 19,000, double asterisks, per square kilometre. It'll probably lose this title soon because, unlike most countries, Macau's land area is growing due to reclamation. Reclamation? Reclamation. Here's a Google Earth time lapse. Well, that one's just for us. Um, <laughs> uh, Sons of Siraj, Chief Sardine and Brand Ambassador for Jaffa Juice, brackets OJ and Chucky Milk, bracket. So his asterisks, the first one was, oh, I see what he did. He said numbers rounded for Jess's comfort. So 20,000 is actually 20,286. And 90,000 is actually 18,960. I genuinely didn't hear that, so that is very helpful. I that well. Well done. Wow, Chief Sardin. Oh, I love it. Thanks so much, Raj, you goddamn legend. I've told you that before and I'll tell you again. Cool that you're listening in Macau. That is cool. That's great. Can we do a live show there, one of the casinos? Do we have another Siraj? That's crazy. He gets around. Don't worry about that. Uh, we also love to thank a few other Patreons. Yes. And normally Jess comes up with a bit of a game, somehow based on the episode topic. Yeah. I was... I was mm, cool. Mm. <laughs> um, what about we name their book, their book, their autobiography? Yeah, fantastic. So instead of picnic, mm. no picnic at... Mount Kenya? Yeah. Where are they not having a picnic? Exactly. Or something. Something like that. Well, may I or kick it all off? Or do you have a better idea, Dave? I'm liking that. Thanks, Dave. Dave, being a bookman as well, and I'm on your book show last week and next week. And this week coming as well. Can't wait to record that second half. Can't wait to find out what happens in We're this tale of two cities. Charles Dickens classic. Yes. Good fun. Good fun. Uh, it was recorded the night before the Super Bowl, the first episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it was funny. I was remembering back to that the other day. I, I remember saying towards the end, I'm like, oh, words aren't coming w- too well to me today. That's a, yeah, that's a bad sign. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I'd love to thank from Maryland's or Maryland's, probably as we say it here, in Western Australia, Kelly Clark. Kelly. We've met Kelly. Kelly Clark. What's her autobiography? Her autobiography would be No Shazamin okay. in my Shazawa. <laughs> what? Wow, okay. Don't use wow. Shazam in the shower. Is it oh, a, okay. Is that a self-help book? 
Yeah. And is she- and other life hacks. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Shazamming is in the superhero or the app that let- tells you what the song Matt, is playing. if you have to ask, maybe you need to read the book. Okay, yeah. I guess I do. No Shazamming in the Shazawa. <laughs> And other life hacks <laughs> by Kelly Clark. Sorry, I'd, be, Kelly. I'd buy it. I l- Mostly I'd out of confusion. I want to have a life hack. Are they all as baffling as that? Hack. I There's these five minute craft videos that keep coming up on my Facebook feed. Maybe because I've watched one and now they always come up and I just watch them because they're really dumb. <laughs> Life hack idea. Some of them are so stupid. Some are handy, but some I'm like, why would I do that? <laughs> What, anyway, what, can you give me no, examples? I can't think of an example now, but they're very dumb. They're or normally they like, reusing plastic bottles. Or this, yes, or sometimes they're like, "Oh, this dress is too long. This maxi dress is too long." So they just pull it up and wear it as, as a strapless <laughs> dress. And I'm like, "Well, that's not really a life hack, and you look dumb." Yeah, my <laughs> key there would be don't buy a maxi dress. Yeah, if you don't want it to be maxi. Yeah, exactly. Just buy a dress. Mm. You can take, end of YouTube video. You can also take up a. A skirt, you know? You can just hem it. Oh, yeah, hem a skirt, um, which is one of the chapters in Kelly Clark's book. Yep. Hem a skirt. Hem a skirt. Hem a skirt. Stop. Hem a skirt. That's fun. All right. Uh, I'd also love to <laughs> thank... The music sounded nothing like hammer time. No, yeah, I enjoy it. that's for <laughs> copyright reasons. <laughs> I realise that. <laughs> I'm like, I can't find it. <laughs> it sounded more like... Baby did a bad, bad thing. How does hammer time go? It's hard to do that. I'm losing it. I'd also love to thank, also from Western Australia in Belmont, it's Annette McTaggart. Annette McTaggart. Annette McTaggart. And her book, No Sleeping on the Run. Oh, with diarrhea, can't get to sleep. <laughs> yeah, oh. on the runs. On the toilet no sleeping on the runs. Yeah. You sure it's not just like she's getting away? She's, nah, she's got the shits. The cops are following she's her. She's got the squirts. Yeah, and they're, they're trailing her because of the squirts. Yeah, they could. It's that bad. Well, the trick is uh, you squirt backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Get off the scent. Like she, Literally. She squirted in circles. <laughs> Sorry, Annette. Not she's, you. It's a story dollies. about someone. Fictional. It's a fictional story. Wait, not... you said it was autobiography. No, but not in this case. She's oh. a no ghost sleep. writer for someone else's autobiography. Oh, right. no Annette does not have the shits. Or Anymore. <laughs> We've all had the shits at some point. Nah, not me. Never shitted. Really? What do you mean? Never shitted. Got him right now. And look at him. He's fine. That's why he's so pale. <laughs> you are pale. Yeah, I'm not feeling too good. <laughs> anyway. You should, see, you should see, speak to someone about that. <laughs> well, what you should do then, Dave. I'm on a hot streak. <laughs> is thank some people. That'll make you feel better. Uh, thanks, Annette McTaggart. I'd like to now thank Eva... Or Ava, probably Ava, Clark Leopard. Oh, oh my goodness. Clark Leopard, I'm having a real crack. My goodness. From Toronto. From Toronto in Ontario, Canada. I love that some double barrels don't work, but Clark Leopard or Clark Leopard. That's, Clark Lepard. that's very good. That's beautiful. Ava Clark Leopard. And ACL. her book. Oh, she's done her ACL. No, that's not anything. It's ACL. It's a knee. Anyway. Ligament. That's how if you, your ACL's been copyrighted, you call it your ACL. <laughs> All 
Oh, yeah, it's my What's turn. Book okay. No. It's all got to start with no. I think so. No. No worries. With... Have a bloody good one. Wow. Wow. Okay. Love that. And, uh, it's weird, our first non Australian. Yeah. What's that patron? like? Tw- what, uh, subtitled My 12 Months Down Under. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a, well, that, and that is also the Australian title in right. Canada. It says, No worries. Have a jolly Canadian time. A maple leaf. Love it. I mean, they do that for every country. Yeah. <laughs> big seller. This big seller. Uh, so thank you so much to Eva there. I'd also like to thank few names. It's few got it more. on the cover. It's a moose riding a bear, <laughs> which sounds difficult. But and it's it, beautiful. And it, and it is, <laughs> but difficultly and beautifully. So that photo costs half a million dollars. <laughs> I have not been drinking today. Here are some uh, names coming at you. Putting these together. David Jose Garcia Aranda. Oh, that's good. DJGA. From uh, Round Rock, Texas. Oh, Round Rock. Like the same that too. Yeah. David Jose Garcia Aranda. Love it. Love your name. The names today. No oh. rocking around this noggin. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa no I around. like how you didn't rhyme in the end because <laughs> it felt like you were going to. It's, and then you didn't. It's a close-ish, though. I like that. No, rocking cool. around this noggin. What's yeah. that? What's that? What kind of style of book? Uh, it's a book about moons. Oh. Right. The okay. little rocks. Around. Around the noggin, which is yeah, a moon. moon. Well, the- it's an allegory. <laughs> right. A bit of a parable. So the ro- wouldn't the rocks be the moons and the noggin nah, be the da- planet? Matt, you've really just got to read it. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. Don't judge a book by its title. Okay. Yeah. Please. I should not do that. Okay. It's eye catching, isn't it? I've it got is. your attention, don't I? Yeah. You're I'm reading listening. the blurb, now aren't you? Flip it over. I'm listening to the audiobook for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome, David. Uh, David Jose Garcia Aranda. Many thanks. Many thanks to you. Uh, it's my turn to thank some people. I would love to thank from North Yorkshire. I would love to thank Liam Duncan. I'd love to have a beer <laughs> with Duncan. Oh, mate, we're I'd all love to going. have a beer with Dunk. He drinks in moderation. And, and he never, ever, ever, ever gets rolling drunk. He drinks in the town and country where the atmosphere is great. Oh, I'd love, love to have a beer with Duncan because Duncan's me, mate. Yeah. Hold on, Liam. Thanks for bringing so that, that to us. So that's your book title? Um. <laughs> <laughs> but it's with no at the start. <laughs> No, no, I'd, I'd love like to have, have a beer with, with Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> no, ironically, that one's called No Pub with Beer. Oh, oh another classic. classic. <laughs> meaning, that's meaning nothing to Liam There's Duncan, probably. nothing so lonesome. Is that right? <laughs> Something Audrey has <laughs> to sit in the bar of a pub with no beer. Well, even if this makes no sense, just look up Slim Dusty. And you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> An icon. Released more than 100 albums, I think. There was like Ridiculous. a Slim Dusty museum thing on my road trip over summer, and I begged to go, but it was quite a detour, and we did have to get somewhere. But I was like, come on! I don't know, I don't know much about him. He'd be a good Me episode, either. That's why I wanted to go. I say it'd be a good episode, but I know nothing about it. Maybe it wouldn't be a good episode. Maybe it'd be quite dull. Who knows? Who knows? All right, and bringing it home, I would love to thank, finally, thank you to Liam again, from Blackheath in London, David Hayden. Two first names? Two cracking first names, okay. though. David, David Hayden. Hayden. David Hayden. What's coming to mind for David Hayden? Okay. Um, what well, should we do? Go around the world? Yep. 
I'll start with no. Fuck okay. you. No. Dentist. At. House time. <laughs> no dentist at house time. Mm. One of those ones where you don't get it until the final page and then yeah. it all clicks yeah. and you go, no dentist at house time. <laughs> it's like turtles all the way down. That's what happened in that book. Did you just ruin that book? Nah, I still don't fully remember. Well, you get to the last page and you go, Is that the last page? Turtles all the way down. That's the writer that you dislike. But I've read a lot of his books. You read like nine of his novels. John Green, is it? Yeah, it's John Green. I don't don't necessarily dislike it. I just think they're very formulaic. You know, John Green's one of our most loyal listeners. And And? he's probably. Well, he's got my money for like nine of his books. That's He's such fine. a. That's so funny to buy nine books of a person you don't like their writing of. I know they're very they're page turners. Right. They're great holiday reads. You just read it. Wasn't I reading it on the UK tour? That's why. Cause didn't I keep? Yeah. Or one of our, at no, it? maybe on one of our interstate shows. I reckon you're on the plane going. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I kept reading though. That's because I didn't have a switch yet. Oh, now thing. I have a switch. So oh, you planes are different for me. Do you still play the farming game? Uh, I'm a bit over it. Really? Well, I go back to it every now and then, don't you worry? You're still married to that guy? Of course. We're very happy we have a child. Good for you. Oh, that's nice. Uh, thank you, David Hayden. What a legend. What a legend. And all we need to do now is uh, induct a few yes. fantastic guests into the exclusive Triptych Club. You may not remember exciting. this, but you attempted to do this last week and we said, no, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. just in case we've missed any because you, you, were, said, you oh, were pretty keen and we were like, nah, nah mate, just, it's all right, mate. Don't worry about it. We'll get it. We'll <laughs> did, do it next did I week. do the fat quota question? No, we did, we did that. Yeah, I, thought, I, did do, that. I think I, remember, I do remember that. <laughs> we did one each, I think. Great. Um, so. I also think you didn't th- you didn't think any people either. Jess and I, did we just do three people's names each? Yeah, I think we did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no fun. All right, so this week, inducting into the Triptych Club, which is... For Patreon supporters who've been uh, supporting us for three years straight uh, on the five buck or above level. And firstly, I'd love to bring into the club from Detroit, Rock City, it's Reed to Taurus. Reed to Taurus. Reed to Taurus. What a legend. I'd also love to bring in from New York City, New York State. Jacob Sullivan. Jacob, welcome. Woo! Uh, I should let Reed and Jacob know that Dave is going to put you on some sort of gold font on the website, I think. Yeah, at some point he's promised to do that and will, and Dave never goes against his promises. Absolutely. I've got a lot of spare time coming up, so don't you worry about that. Fantastic. All right, I think that's all the inductees we have got in today. Well done, Reed and Jacob. We love you guys. Yes. 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 <laughs> Woo! Man, I'm pumped. Woo! I'm so pumped. We are about to record a uh, bonus episode for the Patreon. There are three bonus episodes coming out this month because of technical difficulties. One didn't come out at the end of last month. So if you now is a great time to join. We have released now over... This will be our 60th bonus episode. Jesus. There's never been a better time to buy. Goddamn right that you goddamn right about that. We put out two every month, the exclusion of last month, but we're doing three this month. So get into it. We've done two hundred and twenty-five on the main feed, but if you want sixty bonus episodes, support us on Patreon. Do us a favor. We love you for it. Thank you so much. The support means so much. Can you just give us one woo? Because Dave and I went really hard, and oh. you just sort of sat there chuckling, which was very Fuck sweet. Yeah. But also, like, give us a woo. Woo! Come on, woo! man. Woo! 
Yeah. Come on, Maddie. Join in. All right. Yeah. Here he comes. He's warming up. You want me to attack it? Yeah, Woo. go for it. Yeah. Right. everything you got. Turn down your volume at home, everybody. Here we you go. Got. You want a big woo? A big woo. Here we go. Big woo. Hopefully you're not drifting off to sleep. This would be so annoying. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That Holy felt good. That felt good. I that really hope Thanks for bringing me in. Anyone wow, in this studio. That was that was huge. That was great. That felt nice. You look 10 years younger. That actually, I have been feeling stressed and that probably did get a little I bit used to it yell. It's like sometimes you just need a little cry. I love a good cry. Oh, yeah. Get in that fetal position. Get it all out. Have a good howl. You get into the fetal position. Fuck yeah, I do. How oh, do you cry? Of the Standing bar. up, you idiot. Yeah, upside down. They go back in. <laughs> I'm hydrating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's smart. And that's saves smart. water. Yeah. You're like your own desal plant. <laughs> anyway. Or let's... resell plant, probably, if you're letting salty tears back oh, into I, your body. Yeah. Any that miss, I put a bucket underneath and I sell those. So I am reselling <laughs> all night long. Fantastic. Just head to uh, davewarnicky.com slash salty tears. <laughs> Dollar a tear. Oh, that's... I'm getting rich. I'm getting rich. Well, we should wrap it up there. <laughs> Dave, we're back next week with a topic that you've had voted on by the people. And you were telling oh, me it's super close. Do you know oh, what it's going to be yet? I do know what it's going to be. But it was, so I was getting people to vote. About halfway through the vote, 300 people had voted. Between first and second was two votes in it. Wow. I should That's say, I, I put up, I've already got a vote up as well for my next topic. But I put that up before realizing I had one last free choice. So I got to pluck this story out of the hat, which I just loved. I, it was... Put in the hat with this great little description, and that's it. Got me hooked just on the idea of it. That's um, great. The just the story: a man breaks out of a war prison camp to climb a mountain, yeah. and go back in and turn himself in. Yeah. Oh my god! That is and, and without great knowing story. all what he did before and after that, yeah, as well. wild. What a story! Well done. Uh, so yeah, we'll catch you next week. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Oh, what about following our personal accounts as well? They're all linked in the show notes too. Yeah, I really want to get to 10,000 followers. So if you could, if like. Which one do you want them focusing on? Instagram. Instagram. Well, I want to get to. I just to, deleted Facebook and Twitter off my phone, so don't bother with that shit. I want to get to 100 million followers. Ooh, can I get to one trillion? <laughs> 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 one trillion dollars. Yeah. Uh, so the, all those sort of links are in the show notes. If you want to email us for any longer correspondence, yeah. please do. And if, yeah, like 3,000 of you want to follow me, that'd be great. Some people have said, I've noticed a few people say recently that they're getting to the end. They've just got through our whole back catalogue and they're looking for other things to listen to. Well, Dave's up to how many book cheats now? It's 30-odd. Which is very, it's a very similar structure to Dugan. So if you like this show, you're probably going to like that. Instead of telling a, a non-fiction story, Dave tells a fiction story from a classic book. I've been on a few episodes, says Jess. I think it's one of the best pods out there. Appreciate that a lot. Thank Not you. quite as good as Primates, <laughs> a show about primates in popular you culture. Had to know that was coming. Top five is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, no, Book Cheat is, I think, uh, Number two. indisputably a better show, but <laughs> Primates is more fun. <laughs> Less nerd. <laughs> Even though some of the topics could not be any nerdier. There's been Star Wars and 
all that sort of stuff as well. And this uh, other podcast I've been doing of recent times called Listen Now is just about to wrap up its first season. What this are you going to do? What are you going to do? So you co- covered the albums of classic Aussie rock band Cold Chisel. Yes. So we're going to do a wrap up episode coming up where Sam and I, my cousin who I co-hosted with, we're going to go through the uh, nine studio albums, rank them. We're also going to name our favourite songs. And we've got listeners voting on those sort of things as well. So we're just going to do a big wrap-up. And then I think the next season, as it stands, is going to be each week we're going to do a different band, different album, maybe have guests on coming in and telling us us about their an album that's important to them or one of their favourites. So, yeah, hopefully you two can come in and do that at some point. I want to hear Dave's Barry Manilow and Jess's... uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, so I can't <laughs> wait to hear more about that. Mine will obviously be a Scar album. Yeah. yeah. About my mother. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Hootie and the Blowfish sound like they're probably a scat band. No. Scar band. Thank you. Who do scat? I hate scat, <laughs> but I love Scar. Oh, you love the Scar. Do you want to Scar us out this week? Yeah, right. Dave, you talk over me. All right, fantastic. Thanks for listening. Hit us up at dogoonpod.com. But until next week, we'll say thank you and I'll say goodbye. Later. Bye. Seamless transition from scat to bye. Scar. Scar. Sorry, sorry. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Guys. <sighs> Guys, it's um it's me, Dave Wanaki here. I um How you feeling, Dave? I'm fucking pissed <laughs> off. Why, Dave? Oh, I've gotta make a, a a retraction, a factual update, a little asterisk if you will. We just finished recording the episode. Was Dave, going why great. are your eyes closed? We all had a, I'm too angry to look at you. <laughs> angry at myself. I've let the team down. I'm upset. I um, We did the episode and I thought it was great. It was a great story from Matt. I thought we had a bit of fun at the end of the Patreon episode. I was taking or I was about to take a piss and I suddenly realised, hang on, Fibonacci, that rings a fucking bell. It's the Fibonacci sequence, not Archimedes was in the bath. It was fucking Archimedes. Fibonacci probably had a bath at some oh, point. Surely he bathed. What, Dave, it's not like you'd get tweets about it. No, either. I'm sure I have at this point. And if you have one, yes, I would like an apology. <laughs> After my apology. Fuck. I came back in and I nearly punched a hole in the ball in here. Yeah, are you sure he's not the guy who watches dancing? Who are you thinking of? Are <laughs> you thinking of Adam Garcia? Adam Garcia. A judge on So You Think You Can Dance. Oh, if, I'd made that, if I'd made that mistake, I would have definitely punched a hole in Is the ball. Is that Adam Garcia from... Um, Monty, uh, from Boot, Bootman. Oh, Bootman and, uh, and Dirty Coyotes. Dirty Coyotes. <laughs> oh, they need a bath. Yeah. Much like Fibberbrachi. Oh, he doesn't need a bath. It was Archimedes. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. Oh, the, the Archimedes sequence of events that have led us <laughs> to here. This is tragic. I need to take an Archimedes-style bath to wash this shame off of me. It is wild that you made us drive back here <laughs> three, four hours <laughs> away. <laughs> We're all living in the country tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, still haven't taken that piss. I'm too pissed off to piss. You Mm. came in real hot, and I reckon your piss might do the same. Yeah, come out. Can your temperament affect 
piss temperature? Let's Absolutely. find out. If you're a scientist, let's all let go us know. in. Let's go in. No, I'm not. We're not coming out. in with you. Stop asking. Please come in with me. <laughs> Please hold my hand. Matt, hold something else. <laughs> yes, go on. Anyway. I um, hold your peace. <laughs> Forever. I cannot believe. I it. object. I thought that sorry, was a great episode, and I'm really sorry that I said uh, Archimedes. You didn't though. That's oh, when I didn't. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You made it unlistenable to nerds who would understand the difference. And um, good there's, people. There's no chance of editing out because we talked about Fibonacci so much. So one's a scientist and the other's a mathematician. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, <laughs> no. Now Jesus he's got to Google. Like, it's, you were just. Fibonacci is a mathematician. <laughs> all right. I'll That's wait. all you need to know. I'll wait till you're hearing you yell from the <laughs> toilet again. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Fibonacci! <laughs> That's Scaramucci. <laughs> oh, of course. Can I do the Fandango? <laughs> Archimedes is, of course, a fucking a, a mathematician, but also physicist, engineer, inventor, and astronomer. You fucking dumb shit. <laughs> he was regarded as one of the leading uh, scientists in classical antiquity. I don't think we need to talk about that anymore. Fibonacci was the most talented Western mathematician of the Middle Ages. Okay. You should do an episode on him to pay your... Debt. I'm so sorry to Fibonacci and all his relatives. I'd love to hear more about Fibonacci in the future. So you can say it through an episode when it's actually relevant. I'd love Dave to go take a piss. Go take a piss. All right. Thanks, everyone. Um, I apologize. Bye. <laughs> Laters. <laughs> Fuck! ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.